This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Good morning, Fellowship Church. Listen, we're excited for you to be with us here this morning. So all of you that attend regularly, and especially those of you that maybe just tuned in uh, to the uh, service here this morning, we're delighted that you can be with us here today because, praise God, we're going to have a great time in the Lord. You know, the Bible says, this is the day the Lord has made. So we are going to rejoice and we're going to be glad in it. And I tell you what, God wants us to be happy. Hallelujah. And yeah, there are challenges in life. There are things that we deal with. But the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. And it's an inward kind of joy. It's not some kind of external thing that we try to get from this place or the other. No, no, no. No, this is that which comes from within because of the indwelling presence of God. So thank God today we can rejoice in his goodness and mercy, his blessing, praise God, within our lives, the promises that he's made to us as his children, and the redemption that he has provided for us in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus came to this earthbound existence? He gave his life as a ransom for all, Praise God so that you and I could be born of the Spirit of God, so that we could become the children of God, so that we could be redeemed and live the life that Jesus and God the Father intended for us to live, so that you and I could be his trophies. Hallelujah. You know, the Apostle Paul, he talked about us being um, living epistles or letters that are written and known of all men. In other words, when people see your life, they're seeing Christ, they're seeing God, they're seeing his glory, they're seeing what it is that God has done in your life and the possibilities that belong to them as well. So I tell you what, we can just rejoice and we can be glad, glory to God, because I'll tell you, here's another thought for you to think about this morning, just as a matter of exhortation. You know, Jesus is coming again, glory to God. He said that if I depart, I will come again. And so he is coming for his bride. Hallelujah. The Bible says that God is waiting for the precious fruit of the earth. It really is harvest time. It is a time and an opportunity for you and I as believers to be able to reach out into this, well, an unlovely world with the love of God and tell them that God has a plan for their life too so that they can be born of the Spirit of God and make heaven and miss hell. So there's such a privilege that rests upon the church in these last days, praise God, to be about his business, God's business, before Jesus comes again. We know that time is short. There's no question about it. I was just reading, as a matter of fact, and I'll share this with you this morning in the book of Luke when Jesus was talking about the last days. And uh, this isn't part of what I wanted to share with you today um, otherwise, but he, he made reference to the time which you and I are living in. You know, uh, the disciples said, well, what's going to be the sign of your coming? When, when are these things, you know, going to happen? And he makes a reference in Luke chapter 21 here. He says that there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And certainly we have seen so many of those things, you know, with these blood red moons, all of the different things, the eclipses that we've experienced, so on and so forth. And he says, and on, upon the earth, distress of nations. And I'll tell you, <laughs> yeah, no question about it. Nations are under distress. And then it goes on to say with perplexity. And this is interesting because it talks about the sea and the waves roaring. And, you know, we have had an unprecedented number of hurricanes that have come to our land, you know, and have come upon the, the coasts of uh, the southeast, and um, the sea is roaring. There's no question about it. So all of these things make it incredibly apparent that these things are coming to pass. Not only that, but that Jesus said they would, and this is the precursor as it were, to his coming again. He went on to say, men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking upon the things that are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then they uh, shall see the Son of Man coming in the cloud with power and great glory. So then he concluded, he said, when these things begin to come to pass, then look up. And lift up your heads, because your redemption 
is drawing near. Praise God. I'm telling you, he's coming again. This is the day of the church. You know, we have an opportunity, praise God, as the church to be able to impact the world in which we live. And I mean, I believe with all my heart that there's going to be an incredible grace upon the church in these last days to reach the world that is around us. That's what it's all about. It's about harvest. It's about you and I reaching into the lives of people and helping them to find their lives in Christ. And I believe, praise God, that that's exactly what's going to happen. And we're going to have a great reason to rejoice. We're going to have a great reason to be glad. That's why I'm excited about our, you know, coming back together again next week on the 22nd at 945. Please join us, praise God, because we're going to be back to normal. You know, we've went through all of the things that we were required as far as the precedent is concerned without any ill effect or anything of that nature. And so we're all back in the saddle. We're ready to go, and we're excited about that opportunity, praise God. Well, let me share with you, if you brought a Bible... (laughs) If you have a Bible, if you have a Bible there uh, in your living room or wherever it is you may find yourself to be, let's open that Bible to 1 Timothy chapter 6. We're talking about fighting the good fight of faith. Glory to God, and it certainly is a good fight. And the reason is because we win. Hallelujah. Jesus was our champion. He went to the cross and died so that you and I could live. Hallelujah. And so when Paul was writing to Timothy, he encouraged him. He wanted to encourage him. He was discouraged about his circumstance. Maybe you're discouraged today. Well, listen, I want to encourage you, praise God. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in this world. And so as the apostle Paul is encouraging Timothy in this particular verse, in verse 12, he says, fight the good fight of faith. He said, lay hold or take hold, hallelujah, or hold fast to eternal life, whereunto you are called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. I give thee charge in the sight of God who quickens all things and before Jesus Christ, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession that you keep this commandment. What is the commandment, Paul? To fight the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. I want you to fight the good fight of faith, praise God, and that you keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable, until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times, hallelujah, he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings, and the Lord of Lords. Glory be to God forevermore. I tell you what, we're on the victory side. I don't know if you realize this or not, but praise God, the Bible says that if God be for you, who or what can be against you? Glory to God. So I just am so grateful for the victory that Jesus has provided for us as his children. Praise God, he has made it possible for you and I to be able to do life in a way, praise God, that is beyond this world. Hallelujah. And so he said, though, that we have to fight the good fight of faith. And like I mentioned, you know, some have said it's a good fight because we win. But also it's a good fight, praise God, because uh, it's a fight worth fighting for. You know, a lot of times people get into fights and they come to find out, you know, this really wasn't worth it. But I'm telling you what, fighting the good fight of faith is worth everything. It's worth fighting for, for sure, because of its outcome. And that outcome is is that you have the privilege of being able to inherit and to possess the promises of God that he has made, plus praise God, your life, it gives honor, it gives glory to our Heavenly Father. And I tell you what, praise God, that's worth it all. So important for us to understand this. But you know, when we talk about fighting the good fight of faith, we're not talking about some physical, carnal kind of, you know, competition or anything of that nature. No, we're talking about a spiritual battle. You know, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, he made this statement, he said, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Now, notice the, notice the terminology or the usage of words he says. We don't war. So he's talking about a conflict. He's talking about something you and I are, are involved in. He says, even though we walk in the flesh, we live in this natural world, our warfare is not 
carnal, as he goes on to say, but rather it is mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Your marginal reference to the Bible may say reasonings. And you know, when you have to think about it, again, it's a spiritual battle, but the real battle goes on within the mind. That's where the devil attacks people. That's where he tells them they're no good. That's where he says you're never going to make it. That's where he tells them, you know, that you're not worth anything, you know, or that the Bible isn't true, or why in the world would you ever do that, or all of these different kinds of things that he tries to use against you. When Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, the devil came to his mind and said, well, if you're really the Son of God, then you ought to turn these stones into bread. So that is where the battle occurs, is when the, in the mind of human beings, you and I, children of God. That's why the Apostle Paul said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. <clears throat> Excuse me. In other words, he wants you to start thinking the way that God thinks, thinking God's thoughts. And thank God, you and I have been given the privilege, it's such a privilege, to be able to have the living Word of God in printed form so that you and I can know the truth, and that truth can make us free. Hallelujah. But he goes on here, he says, casting down imaginations and or reasonings and every high thing or thought that exalts itself against, now listen, the knowledge of God. Satan is forever trying to discredit and disprove the reality and the validity and the truth of God's Word, but he can't do it. I tell you, praise God, God's Word is true. The only way that can happen is if you choose to believe what he's saying instead of what God is saying. But thank God we don't have to do that. We can hang in there and be strong in the Lord, praise God. We can lay hold of what it is that God has promised. We can stand on what it is that he said. But he talks about, you know, all of these reasonings that come against the knowledge of God. And then he goes on to say, bringing into captivity every thought. Huh, now that's interesting. Now here's a question I have for you. Who is it that does the bringing into captivity? It's not God. He's given us or commissioned us to be the ones when we discover the truth to be able to take the Word of God and whatever it is that's being told to us and be able to decide which is right and then embrace this and take into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And then he goes on to say, having in readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience has been fulfilled. So it's a fight. I mean, it's just, that's the way it is, you know? I mean, it's something that you and I not only have to do, but thank God we can do. And we can do it in grand style. I tell you what, you can be strong in the Lord. All you have to do is make up your mind. You know, God gave you a will, you know, and he said that we're to be strong in the Lord. So it ought to be, you know, praise God in your confession and what it is that you say, I am strong in the Lord. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong, glory to God, because you are. Why? Not because of yourself, but because of what Jesus did for you in his redemptive work on the cross at Calvary. Hallelujah. So the fight of faith, really, by definition, simply put, the fight of faith is simply believing in what God has promised and walking in the light of it. Hallelujah. He just said, if you'll do this, I'll do this. Hallelujah. He said, I'll watch over my word to perform it. I'll make it good in your life. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe God's word. I believe what it is that he said. He said, I even I am he that blotteth out your transgressions for my own sake. You know, God wants to deliver people. God wants to set people free. God wants people to walk in the light and enjoy the peace that only heaven can give to them. But you know, again, you got to believe in what it is that God has promised and then make the decision or the choice that you're going to walk in the light of it. No one can make that decision for you. 
I mean, you can't blame everybody else because your life is going the wrong direction. You're the one as a free moral agent who gets to choose. And what a privilege it is, hallelujah, to be able to believe the word of God. You know, the Bible promises eternal life. You know, for example, just thinking about it, talking about salvation, you know, and what it is that God has provided. The Bible promises uh, eternal life to everyone who will believe in Jesus Christ and the fact that he is Lord. Let me ask you a question this morning. Is he your Lord? You know, I mean, I'm talking about, when I say Lord, I'm not, I'm not talking about, you know, getting fire insurance because I don't want to go to hell. I'm talking about where there's a, a surrender with all of our hearts, all our minds, all our souls to the King, Jesus and giving him or making him the Lord of our life. That means we do his bidding. We follow his orders. We do uh, what it is that he has asked because therein is the blessing of God within our lives. Hallelujah. See, the Bible says, and again, talking about salvation, we could say it a different way. This is what God said. He said that there are none righteous, no, not one. He says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. He said, the wages of sin is death. Now, when we talk about death, we're not talking about just physical death. When we talk about death, we're talking about spiritual death. And essentially, by definition, that means being separated from God. So he says that the wage you earn because of sin in your life is death or separation from God. But then he went on to say, but the gift, hallelujah, but the gift from God is eternal life. Glory to God forevermore to all of those that that believe on him. You know, in another place, in Acts chapter 21, when Peter was preaching, he made this statement. He said this, he said, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, some people have thought, you know, well, if I just jump through these hoops, I, you know, become a church member, maybe I'm baptized in water, you know, and I'm a pretty good person because after all, I'm not like them, you know, then heaven will be my home or I get confirmed into the church or whatever. Well, you know, none of those things are in the Bible. I mean, it's a good thing for us to be a member of the church. And maybe, of course, you know, praise God, some of the other things we described are good. But at the end of the day, you have to call on the name of the Lord to be saved. In other words, you have to do it his way on his terms. And that is to recognize that you're a sinner in need of a savior and that only Jesus is the one who can pardon, who can wash away your sins, who can make you a child of the living God when we surrender our hearts to him. Glory to God. You know, in the world in which we live, you know, people say this all the time, that there are many different ways to heaven. Well, I got to tell you, that's not true. Because the Bible says there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must or can be saved except through the name of Jesus. So if somebody tells you that there's other ways to heaven besides that, I got to tell you, it's not according to the word of God and it's not true because he's the one who came and gave his life as a ransom and as a sacrifice for everyone. And so he is the door, praise God, into the sheepfold. Hallelujah. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Glory to God. And so thank God for the privilege we have to call on the name of the Lord so that we can enjoy, hallelujah, the blessing of God. You know, when the Apostle Paul was... uh, talking in Romans chapter 10, he made reference to the fact, he said, my heart's desire and prayer to God is so that everyone, that Israel might be saved. And he went on to explain, he says, I bear them record. He says, they've got a zeal for God, but it's not according to knowledge. In other words, it's not accurate knowledge that they're following. You know, the Apostle Paul was a great example of that. He thought he was doing everything in, as, as part of and as a member of the strictest uh, sect of the Pharisees. <clears throat> excuse me, and, uh, <clears throat> and as a result, you know, he, he, uh, he was zealous, and <clears throat> he said, I bear him record. I used to be like them. 
that they have a desire, you know, for the things of God, but it's not according to knowledge. Then he went on to explain what he meant by that. He said, for they go about to establish their own righteousness, and they have not submitted themselves to the righteousness which is of God. And then he, he went on to say that the righteousness which is of faith says this. And then he said in Romans chapter 10 and verse 8, what says it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. The, uh, the word of faith which we preach. Hallelujah. It is the word of faith that we preach. Glory to God forevermore. He says this, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe, or that Jesus is Lord, your Lord, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So when we talk about making Jesus the Lord of our life, we're talking about a heart commitment a all-in, absolute surrender to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when we declare, I make Jesus the Lord of my life, then all of a sudden things change. Well, the reason I use this example with regard to salvation is, is that, you know, whenever we find a promise in the Word of God, again, He promises, you know, eternal life to everyone who will believe on Jesus, and it's in his word. So the good fight of faith, you know, when we talk about that, it deals with the unseen. You know, a lot of times there's things that we're believing God for that we don't have a manifestation of them yet, but yet right on the other hand, God promised or said, hey, it shall come to pass. I will bless you coming in and going out. You'll be the uh, head, not the tail. You'll be above only and not beneath. Well, maybe you're still beneath, but I tell you what, praise God, it's subject to change when you walk with the master. So the good fight of faith really does deal with uh, the unseen, which is not, you know, perceived by physical senses. Again, talking about salvation, you know, um, I mean, you can't see salvation necessarily, but you know it's true. You know, uh, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus uh, in the third chapter of John, he made this statement. He said, you know, the, the wind blows, you know, uh, where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it's come from or where it's going. And he said, so is everyone that's born of the Spirit. What's he trying to say there? He's saying, you know, you know that the wind exists, right? Right now, this morning, I mean, we can hear it blowing like crazy. I, you know, I know that the wind exists. I can't see it. I don't know where it's going, you know, or any of that, but I know that it exists. And the same thing is true when it comes to salvation. We know that salvation is real. I mean, people's lives are changing. In other words, we can't see salvation, but we can see its result. And we can see those results in multiplied hundreds and thousands of people who've made decisions. So when I talk about fighting the good fight of faith and the fact that it deals with the unseen, it's not things that happen necessarily within this natural realm, although they will manifest themselves in different ways. But praise God, you know, that's what you have to understand. For example, you know, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 11, it says, now faith is the substance or the confidence or the ground. Faith is the grounds or the confidence or the substance, or we could say materiality, of that which we hope for. It serves as the evidence of what we do not see. Hallelujah. You know, for example, you know, you might have the hope or the plan or the whatever, you know, to maybe go do something, go on vacation, or maybe your family's coming to your house or whatever. Well, the time hasn't arrived. In other words, they haven't manifested themselves as far as showing up on your doorstep, but you have this hope. Yes, we've made this plan. And you know, on a certain day, everybody's going to be coming over, or we're going to go down to the lake, or we're going to do this or that or the other, you know. So you don't really have the manifestation or the actual experience of it, 
but you have faith towards it, the unseen, and so you're moving towards that date, and pretty soon, praise God, what you hope for is going to become yours at last. The same thing's true when it comes to your life and to mine, you know, because faith gives substance to the things, you know, you might hope for a better life. You might hope for a better home. You might hope for, you know, health in your body or whatever the case might be. If you can find God's promises in the Word of God that promises you the things that you're desiring, praise God, you can have every one of them because His Word is sure. So faith, when we talk about faith, faith begins where the will of God is known. In, in Romans chapter 10 and 17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In the gospels, you'll see different places where the Bible says when they heard of Jesus, they heard something about Jesus. They heard that he was healing. They heard that he was delivering. He, they heard that he was setting the captive free. You know, that people were, uh, you know, the, they, that he was providing recovery of sight to the blind. I mean, when they heard this, faith rose up inside them and they said, if God can do that for someone else, he can do it for me. Thank God for faith that comes from hearing the word of God. That's why you can never depart from the Bible. Praise God. We need to take it in large quantities every day, just like you would a, a prescription or something of that nature, so that you can have spiritual health and strength. So be sure when it comes to God's promises, in other words, what the scriptures say, not, but, not what somebody else says, you know, so often we get, we get derailed and sidetracked because somebody will say, well, no, I don't believe that. Or they say, well, no, that's not what the Bible says or whatever. You, you, you have to, you have to disenfranchise uh, yourself from that kind of thinking. You have to go back and say, now, wait a minute. What is it that the Bible says about my personal life? What is it that God has promised that he said he would do for me? So be sure the promise of God or the promises, the scriptures cover the things that you are asking or believing God for. You know, just find it in the Bible. Praise God. He said, with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. He said, I will guide you with my counsel and afterwards receive you into glory. These are promises that God has made for us. Praise God. So we ought to be able to expect and believe for the very things that God said that he would do. You know, thinking about my own personal testimony, I mean, I can't speak for others, but I can sure speak for myself. You know, I didn't know anything about God. I mean, I grew up in the church, you know, as a young boy, I was, you know, seen to going to Sunday school and things. And I'm sure that that, that probably helped to some degree, but I didn't know God. I didn't know Jesus. I never knew that I had to make a commitment to him until I was 19 years of age. And when I gave my heart to Christ, everything changed. And all of a sudden, the Word of God became alive within my life, and I began to discover this, well, buried treasure that God had in His Word. And from that, you know, in other words, uh, I, I would say it this way, I didn't know God had a plan for my life. And yet you read in the Scriptures, and the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, I have a plan for you, and it's a plan that's good, hallelujah, not to harm you, but to give you hope and to give you a future. I didn't know that, but I discovered it in the Word of God, and I said, God, if you've got a plan for my life, I want to know what that plan is, because it sounds to me like it's a pretty good one, and so I pursued my relationship with God to find out what He said. I didn't know. I really didn't know that if I would walk in His ways, if I would walk in the way that He would bless my life. I didn't know anything about the blessing of God. I, I just thought, well, you just go through life and come what may and you deal with it and you try to cope and you do all this and that and the other. I didn't know that if I would obey, if I would choose to be a doer of the word, that I would walk in the ways of God, that that walking in his way would bring blessing to my life. You know, Psalm 1-1, I didn't, I didn't know about Psalm 1-1, but it says, blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly or stands in the way of sinners or sits in the seat of the scornful, but rather his delight is in the, it says, law of the Lord or the word of God. And in it does he meditate day and night. He shall be like 
a tree planted by the rivers of water that bring forth fruit in their season. It goes on to say that his leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does will prosper. Hallelujah. Now, isn't that a picture of the blessing of God? And that blessing comes as a result of my choice not to walk after the world or ungodly people or sinners and behaving and thinking and doing the way they do, but rather, praise God, making the Word of God my delight. And I tell you what, praise God, I've made that decision and, my, and that choice over the past 45 years or plus. And, and I tell you what, God has brought great blessing into my life as a result of my obedience. But I didn't know. Again, you know, we're just talking about how that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. I didn't know that Jesus came to redeem my life from destruction. I didn't know that until I began to read the word of God where it says, praise God, that we can give thanks unto the Father who's, who has qualified us to be partakers, praise God, of his divine inheritance. And it also goes on to say, who has delivered us from the authority of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. I didn't know that. I didn't know, praise God, that I'd been redeemed, that I had been delivered, praise God, from the authority of darkness. I didn't know it, but I know it now. So praise God, when darkness shows up on my step, I just say, thank God I'm redeemed. Glory to God. No, 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 no. You cannot come here because I am the redeemed of the Lord. Glory to God. Isn't that good? So we talk about, you know, faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of God. You know, <clears throat> here's another thing. I didn't know that Jesus had given me authority over the works of darkness, not only to bless my life, but to be able to bless the lives of others. Hallelujah. He put me in a grand position as a child of God to be able, praise God, to bring blessing to humanity, and not only that, for my life to be blessed as well. And I found all of this within the context of the Scriptures. I tell you, God's Word's true. Hallelujah, friend. And you can believe it. You can trust it. And so it's when we build our lives upon the foundation of practicing or doing the Word of God that great things begin to happen. Jesus, he addressed this in Matthew chapter 7. He said that whoever, you know, builds his house upon a rock by doing the Word of God will be standing. But if you don't do the Word of God, if you don't obey his sayings and what it is that he says, the storms of life will come, but your house won't stand. So thank God you and I can be a doer of the word. You ought to say that right now. I am a doer of the word. Hallelujah. God wants you to be a doer of his word because that's where the blessing of God is within our lives. For example, you know, talking about being a doer of the word, the Bible teaches us to forgive. You know, the disciples on one occasion, you know, they were trying to probably be, I don't know, uh, uh, thinking that they were really doing a good deed. They said, you know, Master, how often should I forgive my, my, my uh, neighbor? I mean, you know, like seven times. And uh, Jesus said, why don't you multiply that times 70 in a day and just forget about the whole thing? You know, we don't have the right as the children of God to hold people in unforgiveness. The Bible teaches us to forgive. People say, well, I just can't. Well, that's not true. You're just choosing not to. Did you hear me? You know, you say, well, I can't get past the feelings that I have and all of the things that have happened, you know, and this and that and the other. I'm not talking about you living by the way you feel. The Bible says we walk by faith and not by sight or the way we feel. We do it as an act of our will. We choose to release people. So when we talk about, you know, doing the word of God, you know, <clears throat> Again, it teaches us that we're to forgive. So, so we refuse to harbor unforgiveness within our lives. And sometimes, you know, you got to get yourself a flashlight and you really got to look hard where your heart's concerned and make sure that you're getting these things removed from your heart and from your life because they're destructive in their nature. They're the wiles of the devil. They're the schemes he uses to try to thwart the will of God in your life, to bring destruction in your life, to keep you from enjoying heaven's best. The same thing's true, you know, when the Bible teaches uh, us as believers to forbid strife 
to be a part of our lives. And oh, how easy it is sometimes for us to enter into a strife-filled situation. Uh, You know, the Bible says the servant of the Lord must not strive. So, So we make decisions to choose to allow none of it. When it comes, you stop it in its tracks and you say, no, uh uh-uh. I'm not going down this path. I'm not going to dwell on this. I'm not going to allow this to fester and, and you know, grow up into something, you know, that, that I have a more difficult time of having to deal with. Same thing's true with envy. You know, you'd be surprised, you know, sometimes when people see that others are doing better than them or they have something that, you know, they don't and this and that and the other, how this, this, this emotion will come up on the inside of people and they're jealous or they're envious or whatever the case might be. Well, you know, long, 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 long time ago, praise God, I learned this lesson. I found out that when I seen other people that were being and blessed and that their lives were going in the right direction and that good things were happening in their their lives, I always would say, I'm in that line. I'm in that line. I'm not going to get jealous. I'm not going to become envious because somebody has something that I don't. Praise God, I'm just going to trust God that he'll do the same thing for me if I'll just believe him and, and obey him. Obey his word and do what it is that he says. Now, you know, thinking about this and talking about faith and, you know, asking God for things, you know, and, and believing him for things. You know, sometimes people, unfortunately, I mean, I think we've all probably done it. Sometimes our, our, our motives are, are rather selfish. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that we can often get ourselves in situations that are actually kind of foolish and very, very presumptuous. You know, like people hear the message of faith and they'll say, hey, you know, God wants to bless your life. He's got a plan for you. It's a good one. He wants to prosper you. And they say, well, all right, then I'm going to believe God for a million dollars. Well, that's all right if you need a million, million dollars. But, you know, maybe you want to start with just believing God for your rent. And then you kind of move up from there. But sometimes, you know, people will make these foolish, you know, statements about, I'm believing God for a million dollars. Well, again, you know, not that God's opposed to you having a million dollars, but what are you going to do with the million when you get it? Are you going to sow? Are you going to give? Are you going to participate in kingdom business? Or are you just going to kind of pile it up and hoard it up so that you can keep it to yourself? You know, here's another example of this. You know, people say, you know, uh, well, I'm believing God for a mate. You know, somebody, you know, that I can marry and this and that. And, and that's good. The Bible says, you know, it's not good for man to be alone. You know, and that marriage is a divine ordinance that comes from heaven. God wants you to have a mate. You know, but sometimes people will say things like, well, you know, I, I've chosen that person that's sitting over there in section four. And you say, well, have you talked to him? No, huh? I just claim them as my wife. Well, you know, that's silly. I mean, that's just foolishness and presumption, you know. I remember uh, uh, there was a story about a guy who was believing God for for a wife, and he he said he was going to claim this other man's wife. You know, he says, well, I'm claiming her. (laughs) Well, listen, uh, she's already taken, by the way, so uh, you're going to have to do something different than that. But you can see, I mean, those are extreme examples, but you can see how foolish things can be sometimes. No, you got to know and find out from the Bible what it is that God promises you. Yes, he promises you a mate, praise God, but you got to, and not to mention the fact that when you start talking about what I just described, you know, the the, uh, gal over there in section four or where wherever she's at, uh, she may not want to have anything to do with you (laughs) because she has a will of her own. Glory to God. So there's a few things that have to be worked out there, but you can see how faith can get distorted and it can be, uh, 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 well, just distorted so that people, you know, think certain things and really it's just nothing but silliness, uh, foolishness and presumption. So I talked about this last week. I want to share with you again real quickly, you know, that one of the greatest enemies you know, of faith is the lies of the devil. You know, um, the Bible talks about, um, in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 4, he's, well, in, in verse 3, it says, if our gospel's hid, it's hid to those that are lost. And then in verse 4, it says, for or because the God of this world. Well, who is the God of this world? That's Satan. That's the devil. Amen. The God of this world has blinded the minds of those that do not believe, okay? And then it goes on to say, you know, uh, lest the glorious light of the gospel should shine unto them. So there's a lot of people that are walking blindly in the world today that have no idea 
that they have an enemy called the devil. They have no idea that they're blinded by his lies. They have no idea about any of these things. That's why Jesus came as a light to the world so that we can know the truth and the truth would make us free. You know, when Jesus was discussing this, um, well, actually he was discussing it with a bunch of religious rulers of that particular day. And he was acute, you know, they were they were trying to boast in their position as, as leaders within the church. And he said, you're of your father, the devil. Hallelujah. Now, that's an interesting concept. You got people in the church that are in leadership and they're of the devil. You know, not everybody that stands in a pulpit is of God. Not everybody that espouses, you know, to be quote unquote religious knows God in any way, shape or form. They know him intellectually. They know him academically, but they don't know him really. And so they go about espousing all kinds of things that aren't true. They develop the traditions of men. They cause people to be in bondage. There's all kinds of things that we could talk about in that context. But when Jesus was addressing these men, he said, you're of your father, the devil. Ooh, wow. And he went on to say, in the lust of your father, will you do? And then he describes Satan by this way, saying he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. So, you know, when you have to think about that, you know, that when it says that he is a liar, not everything you hear in your head is true. A lot of times you get help from the God of this world to try to convince you of things that aren't true. So when you're fighting the good fight of faith, you need to know who your enemy is. And it's not your neighbor. It's not your spouse. It's not your, you know, boss or whatever the case might be. A lot of times it's nothing but hell that has assailed itself against you in your thought life to bring you to a place of destruction if you'll buy in. That's why Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 6. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hallelujah. He went on then to say, put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against, the King James used the word wiles, of the devil or the devil's schemes. He has different things in his deceptive nature that he uses to try to destroy people's lives. And then he went on to say, for we wrestle not, or we do not war against, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of the darkness, against spiritual wickedness in high and heavenly places. And then he goes on to tell us that we're to put on the armor of God. And part of that, the very first piece, is have your loins girt about with the truth. You know, a lot of times, you know, people in their minds, they'll think, well, you know, the reason I'm not being promoted is because my boss, you know, he keeps, you know, he's got his hand on the top of me and I can't ever get ahead and he never does anything for me and this and that. And you listen to it, listen to it, and listen to it, and listen. And pretty soon it manifests in conversation or in behavior, different things of that nature. You know, that guy is not your source. He's not the one, you know, that causes promotion. I mean, if in fact he, he's uh, throttling and keeping you back, he can't, you know, he cannot eventually keep you down if you keep your eyes on God. Because the Bible says that promotion doesn't come from the north, south, east, or west, but it comes from God. And I tell you what, he'll make a way where there is no way. You look at Joseph's life. I mean, this guy, you talk about being stepped on. You talk about being abused. You talk about being misused. I mean, Joseph was just that guy. But I tell you, in one day, in one day, in just a few hours, this man went from the prison to the palace. And I'm telling you, the same thing can happen in your life as long as you trust God and believe Him for what it is that He's promised in your life. You know, think about this with me. Determine, when you're thinking about this and that and the other, you need to determine the source of what it is that you're thinking, you know, and ask yourself that, the, the simple question, you know, uh, <clears throat> you know, in other words, if you want to see, you know, God at work, look at Jesus, and he'll tell you exactly what's true. And praise God, you can be blessed in that way. 
Another great hindrance that I want to talk to you real quickly here before we close this morning is a hindrance to fighting the good fight of faith is doubt and unbelief. I tell you, this is probably one of the greatest enemies of faith that there is, and you have to guard against it, child of God, so that it doesn't creep in where your life is concerned. You know, I'll give you a great example. You know, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, and this is just a simple example, but church attendance. You know, I've heard people over the years, they've said, well, you know, you don't have to go to church all the time to be a good Christian. Well, I don't really think that, you know, the merits of your good Christianity is really what we're talking about here. We're talking about gathering in the name of Jesus to learn, to worship, to corporately gather together and and to use the gifts that God has given each of us to be a blessing to the people that are around us. No, I think that when people say, you know, well, you don't have to be a good Christian, you know, and have to go to church all the time, I think that there's something fundamentally and inherently wrong way deeper down on the inside of that person where their lives are concerned. And what's happened is, is their love for God and their desire to be a part of what it is he's doing in the earth has been replaced by something else. Now, you know, I don't want you to get under condemnation or anything of that nature, but I want you to think about it with me. What about the zeal you once have where, where, I mean, you were standing at the door waiting for it to be unlocked. You know, when you first got saved, I mean, if there was a service going on, baby, you were there. What happened to that person? Where are you in the grand scheme of things? Or have you been talked into not participating as you should. The Bible says that, you know, we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, and so much the more as we see the day approaching. What's taking place? People are forsaking. They are forsaking. God's God's not doing it. You know, they're choosing to forsake their engagement or their involvement within the local church. Now, can they do that? Absolutely. You know, will they live out their life and probably make heaven? Absolutely. But yet, right on the other hand, there's so much more that could be done, and their lives could be so much more enhanced and blessed by being a part of the body life of the church. And I'll tell you another thing about that, that whole kind of reasoning, is it's dangerous because I believe that it is a tactic of the devil to cause people to forsake their engagement and involvement so that he can divide and conquer, so that he can get them off into a place where they're thinking all kinds of trash and just garbage kind of thinking. You know, they they become so jaded and all different kinds of things happen in our life. Dude, I'm telling you, that is not God. And so I caution you uh, by the Holy Ghost not to allow yourself to be convinced that you don't need a local church. Jesus gave his life for the local church. He gave, he gave the, the local church birth. Hallelujah. And he said that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. So I tell you what, my friend, make sure that you're within the canopy of or under the umbrella of a good local church that's preaching the Word of God, that's preaching a life-giving message, that, that they're, they're about the Father's business, hallelujah, so that when Jesus comes, he can say, well done, good and faithful servant, amen. Praise God. So, you know, it's important for us to understand these things. But again, I was talking about doubt and unbelief and how it can, it can really uh, 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 ruin your life. It really can. You know, you'll, you'll hear people, well, I don't believe that. I don't believe this. I don't believe the other. Well, you know, you might want to be careful about how much you uh, spend your time with folks like that. I'm telling you what, I want to find somebody that believes God. You know, I believe God's Word. I found out in the Bible. I just read this scripture, and I, I, I discovered this. Those are the ones you want to hang out with. Those are the ones you want to spend. Because I tell you, the devil will lie in your mind in an attempt to uh, get you to cast away your confidence. And we see this happening so much, especially right now, you know, in all the circumstances we find. I mean, God didn't change because COVID showed up. 
God didn't change because our, eco- our eco- economy went you know, south because of COVID. God didn't change in any of these things. He says, I am the Lord, I do not change. But yet we see people that are you know, being so soon shaken by these things. You say, well, what's the answer? I'll tell you what the answer is. The answer is simple. You need to trust God. You need to believe God. You shouldn't allow doubt and unbelief to keep you from enjoying the promise that God has made to you. And hallelujah, not only say, but do what the Bible says do. We don't, we're not changing gears. We're not, we're not going someplace else. You know, the Word of God isn't different today than it was before March the 15th. No, I'm telling you, God's Word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. So we can rejoice in what it is that God has promised. You know, so, so be careful about doubt and unbelief creeping into your life and into your mind because it's those things, you know, that, that the devil uses to try to uh, keep people from enjoying. I'll tell you, I'll give you a good example. You know, let's say that you, uh, uh, you have a need for or you're believing God for something in prayer. For example, let's say healing. You need, you need healing in your body. You know, and I remember this story about a woman. She said, uh, this is some years ago, but she had a daughter, and her daughter had some type of an infirmity. And so she began to take this daughter to places where they prayed for the sick, you know, where there, there were meetings where, you know, the people that were there were believing for healing or believed in healing. And so uh, she took her daughter to this meeting. Nothing happened. Took her daughter to another meeting, nothing happened, took her to another meeting, nothing happened. And then because she never seen a manifestation of healing in her daughter's body, she concluded in her own way of thinking that it must not be the will of God, must not be the will of God for my daughter to be healed. Well, she concluded that because she had taken her daughter to these different places, but healing hadn't occurred. But the reality is, is that God's living word says Jesus himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, who his own self bore our sin in his own body, you know, on a tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. No, healing belonged to that daughter, praise God. But this gal, because she hadn't seen a manifestation of what it is that God had promised based on what she had done, she again concluded that it must not be the will of God. What am I saying to you? You know, just because things in the natural aren't a certain way, that doesn't mean that God's word or will doesn't still stand. And that's why you have to keep your eyes on the promise. No, there was just a disconnect there. There was something that they were at an impasse in. And and what she needed to do is to continue to pursue and find out what it was because she knew that God had promised to heal her daughter's body. Are you listening to me? So it becomes important to us, you know, to understand these things, you know. I'll give you uh, another reason why it's important for us because a lot of times when we set out to believe God, there are always these things that come against us to discredit and disprove what it is that we're believing. It's just kind of like I said earlier in my own life, there are a lot of things I didn't know. And because of that, I had a lot of things in my life that were detrimental. But I found out, praise God, that they couldn't stay if I would obey God. And yet all the time, well, you've always been this way. It'll never change. You know, you you got this problem. You got that. It's not leaving. You know, all these things. Well, I tell you what, I chose not to believe those things. And I chose to believe the word of God. I said, man, I'm telling you, I'm going to have what God has for me. I'll give you an example. In the book of Daniel, chapter 10, it talks about how Daniel set himself and set his face uh, to seek the Lord because of a situation that was going on, you know, in the nation of Israel. And he, he fasted and he prayed before God. And this is so cool because on day 21, not, not just, you know, uh, a day or two, but three weeks after he set himself to, to hear from heaven, an angel appeared to him, and this is what he said. He said, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, everybody say first day, from the first day that you set your heart to understand and chasten yourself before God, your words were heard. 
So God heard Daniel the very first day that he prayed. But notice what it goes on to say. He said, um, um, and I am come for your words, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, he's talking about a spiritual entity, withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with, the, and he remained with the kings of Persia. So what he's saying is, is there was a battle in heaven that was going on. God was trying to get this word to Daniel, but it took 21 days. You know, you may be looking for a change in your life, and it's not manifesting itself immediately. That doesn't mean that God doesn't, it's not God's will for you to have it. It just may mean that there's something standing between you and the manifestation of what it is that God wants to do in your life. That's why the Bible says, having done all to stand, stand. That's why it talks about persevering. That's why it talks about, you know, enduring. Hallelujah. You know, he went, don't cast away your confidence and as a great recompense of reward for after you have done the will of God you will receive the promise hallelujah you know there's so many places in the scripture Abraham's a great example of that I mean you know God said I've made you the father of many nations glory to God God called those things that be not as though they were before they ever happened and you know it took some time but I tell you what praise God Abraham had a child named Isaac who was his child of the promise. And so it's important for us, praise God, to not let, ho- let go of what it is that God has promised in our lives, because if we don't, hallelujah, it'll come. Let me conclude by saying this, that if he can, Satan will attempt to keep the answer or the manifestation from coming to your lives, if he can. But I tell you what, praise God, when you stand in faith, it'll come just as sure as the dawn. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? It's so important to us to guard our hearts with all diligence, for from it comes the issues of life. Guard your heart against doubt and unbelief. If people are just talking negative all the time, they aren't the people you want to hang out with. Now, if you can get their talk and conversation change, then hallelujah. But if they're just, you know, uh, bent on making sure that, you know, you uh, understand they don't believe the Bible, then they're probably not the people that you want to hang out with. You know, uh, another story, again, to conclude here, is that of uh, Peter. Jesus, the Bible talks about uh, in the book of Matthew, sent the disciples away to go to the other side of the, the lake of Gennesaret or the lake of, or Sea of Galilee. And uh, <clears throat> he went apart and got away by himself to pray. The Bible says that he came to the disciples because a storm came up and was about to destroy their lives, he came walking to them on the water. And, uh, you know, he just said, don't be afraid, it's me. And Peter said, well, if it's you, bid me to come. Well, Jesus couldn't deny himself. He said, come on, you know. So down out of the ship, Peter came and began to walk on the water to Jesus. Now, you know the story. You know, he got out there in the middle of it, just like us sometimes. You know, we get out in the middle of believing God, that we're going to trust God, that we know his word is true, and we get out in the middle of it, and the circumstances don't seem to be changing. Matter of fact, maybe they're getting worse. Maybe there's a lot of things that are going, you know, sideways and wrong, and we get out in the middle of it, and all of a sudden we begin to look at those things rather than what it is that God has promised. This is such a, a beautiful illustration. The Bible says that Peter, you know, when he began to look at the waves and the wind boisterous, the Bible says he began to what? He began to sink. And that's exactly what happens in our lives. It doesn't make God's word any less true. The promise that God has made to you is sure, praise God, is anything you will ever be able to put your trust in. But yet, right on the other hand, we're about to lose our blessing because of a thing called doubt and unbelief. Well, Jesus came, grabbed him by the hand, and lifted him up, and he asked the question, He said, why were you so fearful? Why did you doubt? You know, thank God Jesus came and rescued him. He's done the same thing for you and me, and he'll do the same. But you know, it's so much better, praise God, when we stand in the face of adversities, when we stand in the face of difficulties or challenges, and we say to ourselves, I'm so glad that God is bigger than any problem that I will ever have, praise God, and that he will come to my aid and that he will bring blessing to my life. 
Dear friend, I hope that this message this morning has been something to encourage you in your faith. That's the whole idea behind us communicating with you here today and anytime for that matter, praise God. We want you to become people of strong, great faith because faith is what moves mountains. Faith is what changes people's lives. Faith is what brings blessing to you and to those that are around you. Faith in God can change your world. So I want you, if you would please, to join me as we pray together. I want you to commit this this message to your heart and say, God, help me to be a person of faith. Help me not to cast away my confidence. Help me to believe and trust in what it is that you've said so that your blessing can come into my life. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your living word. And we're so grateful, Father God, for every promise that you've allowed to escape your lips, that you've given to us as your children. Praise God. And that, Father, you will take a Father's place within our lives to supply our every need, to meet the needs we have in our lives. Father, as we discover your living word and the truth that's in it, I want to thank you, Father, for its transformational power in people's lives. Thank you for blessing them, Father, coming in, going out. I thank you, Lord, for granting them peace in the midst of adversity, test, trial, in the midst of trouble. I thank you, Father God, that they can look to you, glory to God, and they can be full of joy. Thank you, Father, for your blessing in their life. In Jesus' name.